0: Welcome to the Level Up Infection Prevention Podcast with Michelle and India. We are your team with one mission, creating champions in infection prevention.
1: My name is India Chance, a dental hygienist, a compliance consultant for Learn to Prevent, and an overall infection control nerd.
0: And my name is Michelle Strange, dental hygienist, co-founder of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast, lover of dentistry and all things infection prevention. Welcome to season one. We're glad you're here. So welcome back to episode three. This is Michelle. And this is India. And we are going to chat about instrument reprocessing.
1: Yay. I can't wait. Let's talk about <laughs> it. I know, right?
0: So we're going to kind of walk through the OSAP has a really great instrument reprocessing diagram. There's 11 steps in that. We'll kind of hit on all of those things but we really need to talk about what's the difference between sterilization and disinfection because there's a difference, right? Yes,
1: definitely a difference between sterilization and disinfection. Disinfection has to do with items in the dental operatory where they can be, basically you can wipe those down or use a disinfectant to clean those and disinfect those. Sterilization has to do with particular pieces of equipment or instruments that have to go inside an autoclave and be sterilized at a high temperature. So there is definitely a difference. And there's a couple caveats like within the disinfection world that space mm-hmm. as far as one step or two step, but those that's the biggest difference between those two.
0: Right. And disinfection does kill a lot of things. It kills like 99% of things. However, it doesn't get bacterial spores. And that's why we sterilize, because it's going to get the the spores that can continue on and cross-contaminate. And you have to choose your disinfection or sterilization based on the category. There's like the Spalding category. Is that correct? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So there's different categories. Yeah. So for the Spalding classification, they call it. So you have your critical items, you have your semi-critical and your non-critical. And so... Based on the category, it's going to determine what you need to do, whether you can disinfect it or whether you can sterilize it. And so your critical category is going to be items that penetrate soft tissue, contact with bone, contacts with the bloodstream. And those examples of that would be like surgical instruments, periodontal scalars, surgical dental burrs, scalpel bleeds. Then your semi-critical that contacts mucous membranes or non-intact skin. So it will not penetrate soft tissue or bone. So that might be your dental mouth mirror, maybe reusable dental impression trays, dental hand pieces, mm-hmm. you know, that that doesn't enter. That's a whole other yeah, argument. Yeah, we can maybe have an episode the sterilizer. on that. <laughs> we can have another yes. episode on that one. And then your non-critical, that just comes into contact with intact skin. So that might be... Your blood pressure cuff. It might be your pulse oximeter if you if you're using that, which Mm -hmm. would be really cool. So if any of you guys are using one of those, reach out to us because that's pretty cool. That's pretty great. And then maybe your radiograph head tube that can be disinfected. Mm -hmm. That's a non-critical. So based on the different categories, it's going to determine whether you sterilize or whether you disinfect. So your critical would be sterilizing, and then your semi-critical. Most likely is going to be sterilizing. There are some people that are still using the cold sterile kind of method, and that's a whole nother episode because there's a lot that goes into that. However, but most people will sterilize the semi-critical, and then your non-critical can be disinfected.
0: Right. And we have to always go back to instructions for use. You're probably going to hear us say that a lot. So if it says that it's meant to go in a sterilizer, it's meant to go on a sterilizer. Or if it's meant to be on the middle rack of a sterilizer, like there's a lot of things that your instructions will use, will uh, help guide you in that process of either disinfecting or sterilizing.
1: Yeah. And let me just say this little caveat. There are some things that are being sterilized and disinfected that are disposable. So that's why oh, you have to oh. get... <laughs>
0: Make my eye twitch. I literally got a little Shut eye twitch right there. So in the that's corner.
1: why that's why you have to make sure that you are reading your manufacturer instructions for use. Because people, 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 we have got to stop sterilizing Please. and disinfecting disposable items. Okay? They are not meant to do so, that. No. So that's just my little kind of thank
0: you for pet that
1: little caveat. That I have there. to put in yes. for the sterilizing and disinfecting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So part of
0: instrument sterilization or reprocessing, I should say, it starts with the moment you take your instruments from your operatory to your sterilization reprocessing area. And that's not just you grabbing them and walking. And girl, I'm so guilty of this. I did not do this for a long time. I've definitely been in some offices too that don't have cassettes. And so then you're just like grabbing them and hoping that you're not stabbing people as you walk through the hallway. (laughs) So what I'm talking about is the fact that your instruments, when they leave your operatory and go to the room to sterilize it, they have to be in a container that locks and has a infectious hazard sticker on it. Like there's some, you, you have to be like putting it. In this little container, and that's not something everyone does,
1: or even knows about. Right, right, yeah. So the CDC and OSHA, they they say that you should have. Well, the OSHA says you are supposed to. CDC recommends it that you should have a container that has uh, hard sides, bottom, and a lid that where everything can be contained, all your contaminated instruments, and you're supposed to use that container to transport any contaminated instruments from the operatory to the sterilization area. The reason being is because it prevents hazards if you're walking down the hallway and you happen to bump into somebody or you know, whether it's a team member, whether it's a patient, you don't want those contaminated instruments falling off the tray and actually hurting anyone. And that happened here in Maryland. It was happened to someone where the dental assistant was coming out of the office, sorry, out of the operatory, and she bumped into someone and the instruments were contaminated, they fell off the tray, and they actually got stuck in someone's foot. (laughs) So yeah, and you know, so that's a hazard. I mean, and it's legitimate. And so how many times are we, for lack of a better word, we're in a rush, you know, in dentistry it gets busy in the office. And so sometimes things that are second nature, you're not always paying attention all the time, or you're not thinking Mm -hmm. about it. It's not that you mean to hurt anybody, but you're just trying to get to the next patient, but make sure that the room is reprocessed and you're going down the hall And you bump into somebody. And so that's why you need to have that. And then, you know, you don't have to purchase anything from a dental supply company if you don't want to. You're certainly allowed to get like a food safety container from a local store. I always recommend to my clients, if they're going to go that route, to get one with a red top because red in our industry tends to mean biohazard. And so people will look at the red and say, oh, okay. And then you put your biohazard sticker on that food safety container. And you keep that in the room, and that's your transport. One thing you mentioned was cassettes. Cassettes are not compliant. Considered, yeah, they're not yeah. considered a, con- a sealed container because contaminated instruments can poke out of the slats, the open slats. So you still have to put the cassettes inside the container and then walk that to the sterilization mm-hmm. area. Yeah. So. So we are going to be transporting our
0: equipment in the right thing, but you also have to wear your proper PPE and we mentioned on episode 2 that we need to wear utility gloves in a lot of cases and this is one of those cases correct yeah
1: when you're transporting the instruments to the sterilization area you're supposed to be donning utility gloves it has to do with you're in motion and while you're processing the contaminated instruments and moving them from one place to the other, not just kind of resting on the tray. That's a little bit different, but this all has to do with like movement. Also, the utility gloves help to protect you from any type of chemical hazard, anything that could happen in the processing area with your ultrasonic liquid or anything like that. So if that were a splash or something and it got onto your hands, it's high level disinfectant, so it's very toxic. And so the utility gloves help with that. And then, of course, they help with mm-hmm. any type of needle stick exposures or sharp instrument exposures. So, yeah, definitely the proper PPE when you are transporting your contaminated instruments to the processing, to the sterilization area to reprocess them.
0: Right. And... What are I mean do we need to put our glasses on? Do we need to put our mask
1: on? Absolutely. You have to have everything on. I mean, if you've been in dentistry for any length of period of time and you're reprocessing contaminated instruments, I know it's happened to me a thousand times where you put the instruments into the ultrasonic and splashes up and Blashes. you feel the drop on your face and you freak out i know me i want to go burn my face <laughs> off afterwards i mean it's me so i'm like gross. rushing to the bathroom or i rush to the operatory i've got soap and water and i'm scrubbing my forehead to try to get that stuff off of my face so yeah, yeah. i mean you're supposed to have your protective and I wear makeup
0: on. i ain't got time for go. that there like, you go I'm not, I do not have time for that.
1: So let's just wear yeah. our proper PPE. Yeah, right. You don't have to want to, you don't want to walk away with like one eyebrow done because you had to wash your face from the ultrasonic solution. So that would be not be a good look. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. mm-hmm. So
0: we're going to put our instruments in the proper container. We're going to don our proper PPE, which means again, put it on don't. And that's going to be our utility gloves, our safety glasses and our mask. And then we're going to go from our room with our tray, and we're going to go into the area. Now, one of the things that this also talks about is flushing the water lines. You know, that's a part of your operatory reprocessing, and we will talk about that. I don't know, India, do you do that before you leave your operatory, or do you do it when you come back? Or do you think it matters?
1: So it doesn't really matter as far as i know that osap kind of recommends a certain order but as long as you're getting it done whether it's before you leave the operatory or when you come back but it definitely should be done in between each patient i don't think it matters someone else might disagree but in the big scheme of things it's just making sure that it actually gets done that's the biggest issue <laughs> right yeah. yeah right
0: um the only time that i would if i was using a metal and a metal air water syringe. And do you see us doing more disposable with that versus having that metal because it's super hard to clean in that small bore?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of offices have just transitioned to the disposable ones for that reason, mm-hmm. because you can't clean them properly. Yes, they're sterilized, but really know if they've been sterilized properly, I guess sometimes, or has all the bacteria Actually, been removed uh, or killed, or is killed. Mm -hmm. And so, most people are using disposable air, water, syringes now. At least that's what I've seen. I mean, I don't know. Have you seen that as well? I mean, I have a combo in my practice. Mm-hmm. It
0: just really depends. So that would be the only time that I would run my water before I left the operatory mm-hmm. is with that metal. So I could just kind of like blast it. I mean, you can run of of course an air water without a, a syringe, but I, I just do it if I'm leaving it. So that's why I was just thinking like maybe you would do that before you leave, but you could also do it when you come back into the operatory, especially if it's a disposable and you could throw it away. Mm-hmm. Hey there, infection preventionists. We are excited to create a digital platform that will elevate the role of the infection control coordinator. Our mission is to create infection prevention champions by elevating that infection control coordinator role. We recognize that providing resources to this role allows individuals to become leaders in contributing members to the dental practice, making safer dental visits. So head over to Level Up IP. Dot com to sign up for our email list so you can be the first to know when we launch our new program. Don't miss out on the opportunity to level up your infection prevention practices. And then they also talk about that we're gonna remove our disposable barriers, remove that waste. And then we're gonna wash our utility gloves. But we're gonna we're gonna kind of come back to that instrument re- re- reprocessing. And right now we're just gonna focus on the uh, I'm sorry, operatory reprocessing. I'm not sure if I said yeah, that. No, but we're, we're gonna, gonna look go at instrument reprocessing, right, right. which gets a little confusing sometimes. So <laughs> right. operatory is operatory. Instrument is like sterilization area. But we're gonna have our uh utility gloves on. And then we're going to either if we aren't able to go through the process of cleaning and, you know, submerging our instruments in either our ultrasonic or putting it in our, our instrument washer, they make holding solutions so that you're not just tossing your stuff up on the counter and be like, I'm running late. I got to go. And things get all crusty and dried up on your instruments like that's not a good thing.
1: Right. Yeah. Now, so most people. People are, well, most, so most people are getting away from the cold sterile, which is what we would, what's, it's normally called this holding solution. A lot of people know it as cold sterile. Most people are getting away from that. I would say if you're running late and you don't have time to actually go through the full process, then I don't know. I guess I'm not... So the holding solution that I'm familiar
0: with is kind of an enzymatic cleaner that it's meant to keep them uh, wet, not your actual cold sterile.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. So most people don't have all of that in their office. (laughs) Most people just have the ultrasonic with the enzymatic cleaner inside the ultrasonic. Exactly. So I guess my response to that would be if you don't have... I mean... I'm not really sure, you know, Michelle, because I just feel like for me when I'm running late, I at least get the instruments to the sterilization area and get them into the ultrasonic. And then then it'll stay there. And I don't care if it stays there for an hour or two while I'm catching up with the next two to three patients. But at least it's Mm -hmm. in the actual liquid that can prevent anything from kind of being stuck onto the instrument or drying onto the instrument. So... Like I said, most offices don't have all of that other stuff. So just putting it into the ultrasonic, leaving it there, and then you get to it when you can is completely fine. Because the thing is with those holding solutions and with quote unquote cold sterile is you have to make sure that you have to do like testing throughout the day on those to make sure that the effectiveness of the actual disinfectant is still at the proper level. And so it's a lot of work to deal with some of those holding solutions. So the times that I've used
0: holding solutions has been in my surgical practices. Mm -hmm. And when we would do like these huge cases, of, and for me being the hygienist coming, so in our area, like this is, we had like a little small area, we always get a little bogged down. So when they were coming out of surgery, they had their, all their implant kits and their bone drills and everything. And they were processing in them. My little lone hygiene instruments were not top priority. And it could have been an hour before it actually made it into the ultrasonic. So I would have like this. It was another container and it was kind of like behind everything. And I would just drop my instruments in it. And in some cases, it was just soapy water because they that way it wasn't like getting crusty. Mm -hmm. And then for me, it was removing the chance that I would have to scrub my instruments. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't get all knocked off in the ultrasonic because they went in there super dry Mm -hmm. and bloody and Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So mine wasn't always like a a solution that was specific. It It was just like soapy water. And it was just like, all right, I see y'all up in here. I'm going to throw mine in here. I'll see y'all later. Right. And then maybe either, either they were kind enough to throw mine in the ultrasonic once they were done with their whole instrument reprocessing. Or it was something where I was like, oh, well, they're done. Let me take my instrument sound, put it in ultrasonic. So this is also a good example, though, of why your standard operating procedures are going to be super specific to your office. Because both India and I have had very different experiences with it. So you can't just assume... It's going to be unique to your practice, right? Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, soapy water, obviously, you don't have to test that throughout the day and make sure that it's effective. But there are some people that use the cold sterile for that, for like a holding solution. I can't imagine. And then there's some people that don't have a holding solution at all. They just use the ultrasonic, which is what I've been familiar with. That's fine. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I've also been in offices where there's a sterilization tech. So they handle everything and you don't have to worry about anything. And so. I've met some clinicians who don't even know what that's all about because they've always worked in an office where there's been a sterilization tech. And so, who can get to the instruments in a timely manner? So, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely different experiences. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. But it's good that there's two different perspectives. Very. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we are going to then either we're putting it in that holding solution, depending on what your practice looks like, or you're going straight into the ultrasonic. And there's a lot of things with the ultrasonic. I think just reading your instructions for use. And if you go and get further additional training, you're going to learn a lot about needing to drain it, needing to test it. There's different ways to test it, making sure that you're using the right enzymatic cleaner and using the right, I get dosage of cleaner yeah, like you can't halfway do recipe, it and whatever ratio you call thank it. you yeah. mm-hmm. you want to follow those instructions for use it's super important to have those in there I the question that I get often is like do I have to drain it every day and you might even have to drain it twice a day because it might get super gross and and so when I we would bring the surgical stuff in like and I look in there. I'm like, I can't even see the bottom. Like, it's we're gonna drain that, and we're gonna redo. Yeah,
1: it. yeah, exactly. I mean, the manufacturer instructions for use give you some information on that. They'll tell you what you're supposed to do. But the biggest thing is following the recipe or the ratio of you know water to solution, because that happens. Or some people, I, I mm. apparently there's some there people use the tablets, and then some people use the actual liquid. So follow the instructions so that it is actually a. Effective and doing what it's supposed to do because that's one of the biggest things I've heard from reps that Mm -hmm. people just put a ton of water and they don't follow the actual recipe of the product and so it's it's kind of this is baking not cooking (laughs) right right? exactly (laughs) it's baking not cooking you You need exactly the right amount
0: of baking powder or your cookies ain't gonna rise yeah yeah so and you're not gonna get the results
1: that you want. Because there's claims that are put on these products and so if you don't follow the instructions, you're not gonna get the result that yeah. the claim whatever the claim is is that's printed oh, on right. there. So yeah, definitely so that true. following the recipe. And I I don't know, I think that's kind of it for following the recipe is like the biggest thing with, with It's the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah.
0: Then, um, so once they leave the ultrasonic or your instrument washer, whatever that looks like in your practice, then we're gonna let them dry. Mm Right. And that's a big thing. I don't think a lot of people let instruments dry properly.
1: Yeah. You have to either let them dry or you put them. I was in one office where he actually had a dryer for the instruments before. I have they a dryer went. in yeah, mine and it is awesome. fantastic. Uh, it's the coolest yes. thing I've ever seen. And I love it. And I wish everybody would have one. And it's closed up dryer. It's yes. not like a fan no. being blown on mm. my thing.
0: Like it's a, a thing and it opens yes. and I put my instruments down and in there the and, I, and it closes. Yes. And then mine's like a drawer and then I just hit and it's uh, all hands free. I like just run my hand underneath it Mm -hmm. and it turns on. You can hear it turn on. And then once it's done, I pull it out and everything is dry and it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, those are really cool. I was in one office where they have the ultrasonic kind of like set into the counter. And so it's Mm -hmm. all at the counter level. And then you just lift the lid and the dryer is right next. You lift the lid, you put the instruments in there, the cassettes. That's cool. And then you close the lid. It automatically turns on. You don't even have to do anything. And then you come back, it's set on a timer. you come back, all your instruments are dry. The reason why you want to dry the instruments is because if drops of water are left on the instruments, then when those go into the sterilization pouch and then they're put into the sterilizer, what happens is those drops of water, whether it's the water or some people who don't rinse off the ultrasonic solution, that liquid covers over parts of the contaminated instrument, right? And what it does is it acts as a barrier so that particular part of the instrument that's covered doesn't get sterilized properly. And so that's why you want to make sure everything is dry. Be careful if you don't have a dryer and you're using... Towels or towels whatever you're or something using. you, you don't, poke yourself. Yeah, you don't want to. You want to make sure you don't get any type of yeah exposure. So injury. it's kind
0: of like cleaning and disinfecting. Like we're gonna remove, but instead of we're drying and sterilizing. Exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And um, also, you don't want to have the pouch wet uh, going into the sterilizer. That's a whole other thing. You know, that's why you. Another reason why you want to dry your instruments and stuff, even though they come mm-hmm. out wet, you don't want them to go into the sterilizer wet.
0: And that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about if they're coming out wet, mm-hmm. There's might be an issue with your processor mm-hmm. or you're not letting it dry letting it long dry. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can still contaminate mm-hmm. that sterile package because if you throw it on a countertop that's not clean mm-hmm. and now it's wet, it kind of absorbs it. So that's gross. Don't do that, yeah. guys. So we're drying them and then we're going to package them. And the package, there are, I, again, you'll learn so much of this in your infection control courses, but... You can have packages that chemical indicators that help you understand, like if your instruments are going through the full process. And even then there's different types of chemical indicators, Mm -hmm. six levels, actually, or six classifications. And so you should know those. And also knowing what what fits the right things. Because sometimes people love to put something too big in there and they it can't close all the way or it's too small and then they over, they flap over mm-hmm. that overfold. package and yeah. overfold it. Mm-hmm. So you can't do that kind of stuff. No, no. The, um, the sterilization
1: pouches are regulated by the FDA. They're considered a medical device. So you have to use them according to the manufacturer instructions. And so no overfolding, no trying to stuff things in there. And then instruments are kind of poking out of the side because it doesn't really fit properly. You can always seal it properly and then fold it and put it in the sterilizer. That's fine. But you you, you have to make sure that you're using them properly so that the proper amount of Sterilant penetration happens within the pouch. So everything is sterilized properly. There's a reason why it needs to be sealed. The other thing you mentioned is the indicators. It's a good idea to ask your rep about multifaceted indicators or pouches because that means it has all of the indicators on there that you need internal and external. If you're using pouches, if you're using the wrap, mm-hmm. then you have to put you have to put a, a an, um, an indicator inside, inside and then right? also you can use the tape because the tape is considered an external indicator. External chemical, chemical when indicator. When you're wrapping, indicator. yeah.
0: And those indicators, the, the multifaceted, that's going to tell me like making sure that it stayed in there for the right amount of time, that it had the right amount of temperature for the right amount of time, and it reached the right amount of pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Like Because there's some that you can just put in there, and those are like your level or class ones, where just because the unit was hot, It'll turn mm-hmm. exactly. But hot doesn't mean sterile, right? So exactly. There's a lot of things. <laughs>
1: yeah. Again, it all it. This just goes back to what we talked about in the first episode about how infection prevention is like a whole approach. It's not just one thing that happens. Right. So yeah, you have to make sure that you're doing all of the steps to get the desired result for sure.
0: Right. The other thing I want to mention with your instrument. Packaging is that if your instruments are ones that have hinges or can close, they need to be open so that every part of it gets sterile. Because if let's say you have hemostat, and then if you have the like the clicky part of the hemostat that's clicked closed, that part's not getting sterilized. So you got to open up your instruments, your, your extraction tools, all those things. You got to sterilize them. And I know we're getting kind of close on this. So there's a lot of nuances, a lot of things like India just said, like you got to it's a it's a process. This is all. I mean, you need a, like a degree in infection. control.
1: Sometimes. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah.
0: And then you pack you put them in your unit or your sterilizer and you can have different types of sterilizers. This is also why you can't go off of Facebook and everyone's like paper out, paper down. I don't know if you have a chemical autoclave. I don't know if you have a steam. I don't know if you have dry heat. Most of the time people are having steam, but there's different types of steam autoclaves out there. They all have very specific instructions with how you load that chamber. Some of them are asking for vertical. Some are wanting it to be paper up or paper down. Like there's very specific ways to load your autoclave. And so you can't just be like, oh, the Facebook people all said paper down. No,
1: (laughs) exactly. No, No. you should not get your infection prevention protocols from a Facebook post comment that somebody put on there, check the the resource of where you got that, and like what you said, Michelle, follow the manufacturer instructions for use because that's going to tell you exactly how to load the sterilizer as well as most of them come with laminated instructions that you can post and so in some states yeah, in some yeah. states, part of their OSHA plan is you're supposed to post the instructions for use for the sterilizer and so you just have to know what your state requires but yeah I mean that's just to help anybody that's loading because that's a whole big controversy paper up paper down what do we do
0: yeah Good gracious if I read another one and it'll be too soon <laughs> it'll be way too soon one thing that we didn't talk about with instrument packaging is writing information on there right like yeah. the date yeah. Possibly who processed the instruments? Yes, and if you have multiple units, like sterilizer units, maybe I have a stata, maybe I have a autoclave. Then you need to write where it's going, so that if you do have a failure in your biological monitoring and or your challenger to the unit, you can be like, okay, on this date, this is we had all these instruments. Otherwise. I feel like you're going to need to run all your instruments
1: again. Yeah, I mean, the purpose of writing down which sterilizer was used, the date, and also who did it, who the operator initials, as it said, is so that if there is an infection control breach with your equipment, you can actually go back to the date where the last date where you had a pass with your spore testing, and then you can say you get a failure and and then you can go back and say, okay, well, we know that everything we sterilized up to this date passed and anything past the state did not. So then what you do is you go around to the operatories and you pull all those instruments that were part of the failure dates, and then you reprocess those. It's just part of making sure that you maintain safe instruments for your patients. And so that's the purpose of that. It's not to create more work. It's not to give people a headache and freak people out, but it does help. If you've had an infection control breach with your equipment, that results in a failure because not all failures right. are operator error. I hear that a lot. And that's not true. Not all of them are failing because of the operator.
0: Yeah. And so that's why you do it. And I mean, it's just a smart thing to do. So go ahead, get yourself a permanent marker out there and label them up. Also, it's really important to occasionally go through your drawers and make sure that nothing has gotten poked through. Cause, you know, I've done this when I'm in a rush, I'm like, where is this instrument? And I'm just like I'm knocking all the other stuff out of the way. And you can tear them open. Maybe they just poke through, which just, you know, this is just how it happens sometimes. And make sure that everything did actually pass and they have all their indicators that showed that they went through the sterilization. Cause sometimes you'll get that one where it's like, ooh, that's Not brown. (laughs) That should be brown, right? Uh oh. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then you can kind of walk yourself back and figure that out. But you need to go through your your uh, package instrument storage Mm -hmm. on the regular.
1: Yeah, and that's a good that's a good activity to do. Like if you have downtime or this whole pandemic, people are going to be getting back to the office, and maybe things aren't going to. as busy as you're used to them being so take some time go through your sterile storage because it should be sterile storage everything should be kind of put in drawers or cabinets or something like that and go through everything and just kind of see where you're at with your instruments and the packaging make sure it's all still intact because sometimes if you've removed instrument packages that are sterilized but they're not dry you can have instruments that poke through the paper, and for you, technically, you should re sterilize everything. So, this is a good time to kind of check through all of that. So, true.
0: Anything else that we want to touch on for instrument reprocessing?
1: I think we're good with that. I feel like we have touched on everything. Let's see, we talked You're about need reprocessing the only thing the instruments. I would say
0: is, you know, use your mechanical, chemical, and biological monitors according to all manufacturers' instructions for use. you got to maintain your sterilization records. We'll talk about kind of record-keeping later, but there are logs that you have to keep, and you do need to challenge your equipment. Like, you can't just put the trust that it's working. you got to challenge it and make sure that it is actually doing what it's supposed to do. So don't forget that. Don't just like it's not set it and forget it. Exactly. You got to do, you got to make sure that it's working. Yeah.
1: And one other thing, and I don't know that we mentioned this, but your sterilization area needs to have a standard workflow. So that means when you get in, Mm -hmm. you need to know which side is the dirty side and which side is the clean side. And you want to be able to start on one side and go all the way over to the other. And that's how contaminated instruments get from one side to the other. Make sure it's organized, make sure it's clean, nothing is overlapping. You don't want to do any type of cross-contamination. And that's just a big kind of thing to do. Also, if you ever get an inspection, this is an area that is definitely inspected by either OSHA or the dental board, depending on the type of inspection that you have. And they want to see a nice workflow. Somebody should be able to walk up to your sterilization area and know which side is dirty and which side is clean. And they want to see a clear distinction. So just make sure your workflow just kind of flows from left to right or right to left, however you have it set up, regardless if you're in a state-of-the-art office, if you're in an older office, if you're in a big space or a small space, it has to have a proper workflow.
0: For sure. Well, anything else you want to add before we close episode three out? I think we're good to go. I think we covered everything. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode three, all about instrument reprocessing. There's so much more to learn and understand. So don't let your education stop here with this episode. And we look forward to seeing you in episode four. We hope you have a good day. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can find India at learnthenumber2prevent.com. You can find Michelle at a tale of two hygienist with an S at the end.com. And stay tuned for our website, levelupip.com, where we will be elevating the role of the infection control coordinator. Thanks for listening to the Level Up Infection Prevention Podcast.